Hey, I'm Michael Whistler, and I sincerely believe that science fiction can help us save the world. And in fact, it's not just science fiction, but all of storytelling has an important role to play in sense-making. Uh, I think it's an essential way in which we human beings actually interpret the world and make sense of the world and wrestle with some of the most pervasive questions uh, that are part of being alive on this planet. So, in this episode, I actually want to step back a little and examine why storytelling at all. And uh, get into a bit of the neuroscience, get a little nerdy, and talk about why I'm inspired to get into stories and some of the things I've learned along the way as I've tried to understand storytelling, as I've done research uh, around neuroscience for my own uh, cyberpunk uh, novel, and just why I keep coming back to stories as such a central and important part of the human experience. So that's what we're up to today. This is Exploring Tomorrow. So I want to thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And first of all, I just want to take a moment uh, to do a quick shout out to the Thomas Crane Public uh, Library in Quincy, Massachusetts, and my friend and fellow author, Kimberly Meyer, uh, for putting together an event that is going to be taking place this week on Thursday at 7 p.m. I'll post a link below. I have several uh, authors from the Massachusetts, uh, New England area are going to be taking part uh, in a virtual local author event that's being put on by the Thomas Crane Public Library. And I have the honor of being one of those authors, and I'm look, really looking forward to being part of that conversation and hearing uh, about what the work other authors are doing, because as we're going to get into in this episode, I value storytelling in all its forms and and uh, manifestations and uh, so while i love science fiction and i have a particular focus on science fiction i actually read very broadly and really enjoy getting to know uh, work of others authors and other mediums movies podcasts all that kind of stuff so i invite you to check that out the link below and uh, be sure to join us, whether live or I, I think you'll be able to join us via recording later as well. I mean, if you join live, that would be great uh, and be really meaningful uh, for all of us authors involved. And I'm excited to talk a little bit about um, my own work as well and uh, be able to share a short reading uh, from my novel Sleepwalker. So that's Thursday at 7 uh, p.m. Eastern time. Uh, for those of you listening to this in different time zones. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. So today, I do want to talk about storytelling and why storytelling. I spent years working on a cyberpunk novel called Sleepwalker. That's the most recent book that um, I've published. And there's a lot of neuroscience research in it. And I just, I started uh, getting really fascinated with trying to understand how the brain works and what makes us who we are, uh, how our, our 
neurons networking together um, really form our memories and form our sense of self and why we have certain tendencies, why we behave certain ways. Why is it so hard to overcome some psychological obstacles, as it were? Over the years, I, I just kept chipping away at this novel, come back to it off and on. In the process, continue to learn more and more about neuroscience, but I also just got fascinated by neuroscience in general. And uh, so eventually I came across uh, Lisa Kron's work, uh, which I highly recommend, um, particularly Wired for Story, uh, which is her book uh, where she's taking principles and research and understanding within neuroscience and bringing it into the storytelling realm and, and saying, hey, look, there's all these things we're learning within neuroscience that really point to why storytelling works, why it's actually basically the native language of our brains, that narrative formation, that looking for uh, sort of these scenarios and, and being able to put ourselves vicariously into these scenarios makes sense because our brains are actually wired to do that. They're wired for story. Uh, really fascinating book, very worthwhile. And if you're, especially if you're a novelist, uh, her follow-up, Story Genius, uh, is a nice step-by-step -step process for taking those principles then and actually walking through a clear-cut process to help you flesh out your story. And I think it's actually really valuable, even if you're a screenwriter uh, or writing short stories, there may be things that you need to tweak a little differently based on your particular style and approach. But I think that's the beauty of having a process like that because you can, you can tweak it, <laughs> you know, versus starting with a blank slate and being overwhelmed. Uh, and especially because her methodology and process is based so much on neuroscience and, uh, and, you know, mixing, blending her thorough awareness of storytelling with good research into neuroscience. Along the way, I've also read books by neuroscientists like David Eagleman, uh, The Brain, The Story of You is a wonderful book. And again, in there, Eagleman talks about how very much our brains are constantly building a narrative of our reality. We have all this input, all this information coming at us at all times. And yet our brains have to make, has to make decisions about what is valuable, relevant information in this moment and what is not. So he talks about how most of the time you're probably not aware of how your toes are feeling, you know, until you stub your toe and it becomes relevant information. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not thinking, you're not constantly aware of how every inch of your skin is feeling or how every bone in your body is feeling, every muscle you're not, it, your brain has to filter out all that information and say, what is relevant information right now? And one of the big things that, and Lisa Cron talks about this, and Eagleman talks about this, uh, guys like Steven Pinkert talk about this, is, the, is this reality that the brain's primary function is our survival. And so I want to unpack this a little bit because I think 
that's one thing that has really shaped my appreciation of storytelling and shaped even how I approach uh, science fiction storytelling in particular, is this idea that our brain's number one job is making sure that we're going to stay alive and that we're going to find ways to thrive. And this is why we grab a hold of stories. This is the filter we put all that information through. So in this given moment, is it important to me to know exactly how my left foot pinky toe feels? Well, given that it's perfectly comfortable right now, and until I started thinking about it right now, um, I was completely unaware of how it felt. Uh, so no, it's actually not essential. So that my brain is filtering out that information saying, eh, right now doesn't seem like that's relevant information for the prime directive <laughs> to use a little sci-fi terminology, right? The prime directive of surviving and thriving and therefore doesn't meet the criteria filtered out. And so we do that all, all the time. You just think about how your ears work when you're in a crowded room and then you hear your name and you go, oh, did, did someone call me? You know, um, your brain is taking in all this noise, but it's working hard to go, yeah, most of this doesn't seem relevant, doesn't seem relevant. Oh, your name. That's relevant. You may need to, you know, you need to pay attention. So there are key ways in which our brains are always doing that kind of uh, filtering, especially in a world that is noisy, um, where there's so much information coming at us, so many ads and our brains are just like, okay, okay. Yeah. This doesn't all seem relevant, but what's uniquely awesome about stories is they have an ability to cut through that clutter because they meet certain criteria for our brain when it comes to this whole idea of surviving and thriving. And it comes down to running a simulation, basically, of reality and using a story as this sort of vicarious experience, the simulation where we begin to empathize with, with a character or multiple characters, potentially, in a story. And we kind of sit up and take notice and kind of we, we, we want to see, do they, how do they navigate the conflict they're in? Which is the other key point to all of this with storytelling is conflict. Conflict is utterly essential to all stories because it's the thing that actually makes your brain go, okay, I need to pay attention to this because I might actually face this similar conflict at some point. So I should take notes to see how this person and for our brains i really think it's this person uh you know we're in some level at some level we're not distinguishing between fictional character and, and real character and we just kind of sit up and, and our brains are like we want to take notes because if we face a similar situation how will we respond does this person or character in this situation succeed or fail what did they do and what should we know and be aware of? So when we're in a similar situation, we too um, can uh, uh, respond appropriately, either by going, well, I saw that movie and that person went in the basement and the killer was down there and therefore they got killed. 
So I'm not going to do that. Or we see a good example and we're like, ah, oh, remember the, this character stuck with it. They, they stood up for themselves and they finally achieved their goal. I need to do that. When I'm in that situation, I need to do the same thing. This is the kind of thing that's happening on a like split second level inside our brains. Like we're just kind of trying to pull in that information and make sense of all of that. Now, a lot of this is possible because of this awesome thing uh, that neuroscientists call mirror neurons. Um, I'm no neuroscientist. I've just read about them. So I recommend, you know, checking out David Eagleman and Lisa Cron and others um, and being able to get more of the in-depth research there. But my understanding, uh, basically the, the layman's explanation of mirror neurons is, is this idea that the same network of neurons that fires when I engage in a particular activity also fire when I see someone engage in that activity. Uh, you know, so a classic example might be if you play basketball and you're sh shooting free throws, that watching someone shoot a free throw um, actually triggers in your brain the same neurons it takes for you to stand at the free throw line and take a shot. It's really quite fascinating. And what's cool about it is, and Lisa Cron talks about this in her book, about fMRI scans of people's brains uh, being done while they're being read a story. So they're not even seeing people do a particular thing. They're just hearing about it through someone reading them a short story while they're in this fMRI machine then it's checking out what neurons are lighting up. And sure enough, the same networks of neurons necessary to engage in the activities that they're hearing about are actually lighting up in their brains when they hear about it. And so that's really, I think, at the, in a neurological level, at the core of empathy for characters and how we really actually step into the skin of characters we're reading about or we're watching on a movie screen because we're really, in a sense, as far as our brains are concerned, experiencing what they're experiencing. So at its heart, storytelling is this experiential thing, this, this phenomena that we get to be part of, where we really run a simulation of what it's like to be someone else. And there's all kinds of amazing implications for that around how we can stretch ourselves, uh, gain experiences that we would otherwise never gain because not, you know, I'm, I might never travel to the bottom of the ocean or travel to Mars. Uh, I also am clearly never uh, going to be uh, someone, you know, uh, of a different race uh, in 1950s uh, Jim Crow America, you know. So the my ability to step into a story and begin to empathize and experience life from, from a different perspective is really a powerful thing that um, I, don't, I don't think enough of us have really come to appreciate the level of power that that has 
and 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 the, you know for for good or or bad you know because that can be abused as well um and that's why i think there's something to be said about storytellers really wrestling with uh what is my responsibility as a storyteller to tell good stories and to do what i can to promote a a more just uh and beautiful and equitable world um, but that's a that's a whole other conversation that is probably too big to even get into here but it starts with this idea it has a foundation in this notion that we embody the characters that we learn about uh, that we're that we're reading about or seeing on the movie screen that there's an at a neurological level we're really in their skin and and that's that's where our brains are just working to put ourselves in those scenarios, run this simulation, and take careful notes about, hey, what happens if I encounter this similar situation? What do I do? What should I do? What did this person do? Or what did this character do? And, and what's fascinating about it is, you know, our brains are willing to go along for the ride even when uh, we when the scenario seems potentially uh, far-fetched, it's still like, hey, but the conflict <laughs> for our brains is still very real. And um, and the fact that we're able to step into this other world and experience it and experience a different character's um, life experiences and, and, and challenges and conflicts uh, really gives our brains a chance to... Um, look at the world in a different capacity. And I think it's also important to point out that there's a level at which our brains need that um, because it's kind of a break. If, you know, you run this other program, you're, you're kind of someone else for a little while. And in that escapist act actually offers us the opportunity to kind of reset our brains a little bit and come back to our own challenges potentially with a fresh perspective or having had just a break from our own challenges. Now, I think escapism often gets a bad rap because it often gets discussed uh, when we see the manifestation of its extreme uh, usage. So, you know, like when people watch a bunch of TV or movies or, or the only, only read books just to get away from reality. And they just, you know, they want to have a good laugh or they want to just ha have a good thrill and they just want to escape reality. I get that. There's, there's a problem. Anything in excess is going to always be a problem. Thank you. Uh, Aristotle and Nick McKeon ethics. Um, the, the life of virtue is in finding the mean between extremes um, that has stuck with me. Uh, ever since college. Um, so I, yeah, I agree. Too much escapism, a bad thing. Usually that's, I would say, an indication of a life out of balance. And if you feel like you constantly need to escape, like you feel like every night you need four hours of mindless television just to feel okay, then um, I, I, I would venture to say what you really need is therapy and, um, and some serious life um, realignment. <laughs> and hey, I, I feel you and 
uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> so uh, it, usually, though, though, that kind of situation, I would say it's, it's because we get into these habits or because there's other things going on in our lives that we feel like the only way to cope with it is to consistently escape. Um, at the same time, uh, I think escapism has a great value for our brains because it takes uh, us out of our current challenges in current reality and allows us a break from that. And we all need breaks. Again, the life of virtue is found in, you know, the mean between extremes. So the opposite extreme of I never escape. I, you know, you could take it even to the extreme of I never do read any fiction or uh, watch any fictional movies um, and then you fall into the trap uh, that C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, An Experiment in Criticism, uh, he, he says the, the most uh, non-literate people he's ever come across are people who tell him or told him once, once upon a time um, that they only read the newspaper. <laughs> they don't read fiction, you know, and... And he had a lot of th criticism for folks like that who, who don't engage their imaginations and actually step into these other worlds and other scenarios um, because of the power that storytelling has to really allow us to expand our worldview and to expand our, our perceptions uh, and our abilities to empathize with other people and experience things that we may never well experience in this life, uh, but that we may come across in other people. And so to gain that ability to empathize with that and be able to uh, then encounter other people who may have had similar experiences is highly valuable. And he doesn't argue it in quite that, uh, specifically that matter. He wasn't, you know, arguing it from a neuroscience perspective. He didn't have that benefit decades ago when he was writing an experiment in criticism. But certainly he had very harsh words for people uh, who insisted that fiction was of no value and just escapist whatever. <laughs> and and that, that's also always stuck with me uh, ever since having read that book, because that continues to be a struggle. Uh, you know, it, it, oftentimes I find myself caught in the middle of these discussions around storytelling from the perspective of either, ah, uh, I just like, I just, I just want something fun and just, I don't want to think about it. And other people saying, ugh, you're one of these people who just, you know, you're, you're elevating lowest common denominator, um, you know, mere entertainment. And I'm like, mm, no, because look, I think there's value here in the middle of these two extreme positions. And I would want to, I'd want to encourage this person over here who's saying, oh, I, you're just elevating lowest common denominator, um, mere entertainment to come with me and come experience the, some of this mere entertainment that, um, I've experienced, which has been utterly life-changing. And, uh, and I would also actually want to invite, 
the folk, folks on the other side who are like, I just, I just want a good time and I, I don't want anything that makes me think. Like, yeah, but come over here for a little bit, just a little bit. You don't have to do it all the time, but hey, come, come check it out. I think it'll be worthwhile. And it's one of those things that the more you experience meaningful storytelling, the more you start to realize that it's, it's life-giving and valuable on many levels. And that's why I keep coming back to storytelling and I keep encouraging the meshing of these two worlds and, and trying to live out Nick and McKeon ethics to a degree here of life, you know, of, of, of trying to find the mean between extremes. Uh, because in there is a balance of being able to speak the native language of our brains through storytelling to entertain and offer a valuable moment of catharsis and escapism. And at the same time, also speak meaning and life and uh, wrestle with big questions and storytelling does this often on a fairly subconscious level and, and not enough people, I think, recognize and appreciate that reality. Um, and then what it comes back to is, can we engage thoughtfully with that? And what habits do we have as story experiencers around mulling over what we experience and um, asking ourselves questions about why? Why do I react a certain way to certain stories? Why do I seem to gravitate to stories about certain types of characters? Maybe you gravitate towards stories of the underdog character. That might be a really fascinating thing to try to unpack. Like, what is it about the story of underdogs? Why do I relate to it? Why do I identify with it? What does that mean for me? Um, maybe you like a specific uh, genre. You know, what does that mean for you? So for me, it's science fiction, right? I really love science fiction. And what does that mean for me that I love science fiction so much? Uh, I have some theories. I have some ideas uh, about its philosophical nature of asking these really big questions uh, that are important to me. They're the exact type of questions that I have actually been asking all my life, even before I had the language and the understanding and the framework or even the awareness of, say, philosophy to know that, I, you know, I was philosophizing. I was asking these, these same questions that throughout the ages philosophers have been asking. And I think it's a genre that's uniquely equipped for that. So I'm, I'm naturally drawn to that genre, but I also think that there's a sense of awe and scale and wonder that science fiction brings that, that is something I crave. So that says something about me as a person that I gravitate towards that. 
So think about why you gravitate towards certain types of stories. And you can get as specific as you want. So why do you specifically like, say, space opera or military sci-fi or kind of sci-fi fantasy blend? Or maybe maybe you're listening to this and you're actually not into sci-fi, but you're just interested in stories. So why do you like um, romance or mystery novels or thrillers? Like you know, or horror novels, and maybe you're a big Stephen King fan, rock on. Um, What is it about those things? Uh, What draws you to it? I think there's a really cool introspection that can happen there and bring about some real self-awareness. And then you can begin to think about even more intentionally the kinds of stories that you want to engage with and how you potentially want to stretch yourself and be like, hmm, I like the specific aspect of this type of story. Potentially, I can also experience it in other genres. Um, And you just start asking people, you know, having those kinds of conversations and you can broaden your horizons, uh, which I highly recommend. As much as I love sci-fi, I watch and read widely uh, because I love storytelling, ultimately. And storytelling is something that has been a part of the human experience for such a long time. And it's, uh, and it's going to continue to be a really important thing. And I think the more thoughtful we get as people who experience stories, um, the more we'll be able to shape a better world. Uh, And also the more thoughtful storytellers get about our responsibility as storytellers to shape a better world. Um, I think again, we'll, we'll be able to create a better reality for more of us and pave the way for a better world, uh, which is why I'm in this whole storytelling thing anyway. So that's a bit of my background, sort of geeking out, researching. So I did a lot of, you know, like I said, research and reading about, uh, neuroscience over the years as I was working on my novel Sleepwalker, uh, because it's about rewiring a person's brain and uh, put, installing a whole new personality um, into a person. And then asking these questions like, what makes you, you, <laughs> you know, are you still the same person uh, or not? A very fun novel to write uh, and hoping to see the uh, paperback uh, come out here uh, soon. And uh, so if you're interested, I do encourage you to check out Sleepwalker. Um, It is, it's actually right now, really cool uh, thing that my uh, publisher has done is they have a handful, a limited number of signed copies of the hardback edition of Sleepwalker. So if you hop on doxanewsmedia.com, that's D-O-X-A-N-O-U-S media.com and go to the bookstore there. You can find Sleepwalker and, uh, and then you can click signed, uh, edition. Um, so we're signed copy. I think it says in there and yeah, you can click that and, and grab that and you buy it directly from them. And what's cool about that is you're supporting a startup indie publisher, um, which I really appreciate uh, because, you know, they, they're startup and they've taken a chance on a guy like me. So, um, it, it'd be incredibly meaningful for myself and, uh, for the folks at Dokes and News Media. 
And so huge shout out to them. Thanks for making those available. I encourage you to go check that out if you're kind of curious about where my journey down this rabbit hole of neuroscience and storytelling ultimately took me and why I chose to tell the story and empathize really with a character very different than myself. Um, you know, cause the lead character is, uh, she's named Riley. So she's female. Uh, she's actually of, um, Mexican, uh, heritage, but living in Brazil, actually the city in Brazil in which I grew up in. So there's a little, uh, sort of personal connection in that sense too. Um, and then her whole experience of like, whoa, wait, I thought I was just a lowly, nun teaching science at a Catholic school in Brazil. And now these strangers are coming at me telling me I'm completely not that I'm someone else. And all of these memories I have are a lie. <laughs> and, uh, I've had my whole brain, my whole personality completely reprogrammed. And in fact, I'm an integral part of some crazy project that is being orchestrated and trialed uh, in the United States. So I did a lot of geeky research into neuroscience to write that book. And in the process, you know, that's how I came across all this information about the neuroscience of storytelling. And it's been just formative for me and it's transformed how I think about storytelling and how I go about uh, creating stories as I go forward. And so I thought I would share a little bit about that uh, today and, uh, invite you to check out, uh, any of these books that sound interesting to you, like wired for story, David Eagleman's book, uh, the brain, uh, the story of you, or if you want to check out sleepwalker, I'd hugely appreciate that obviously. And I just want to share all of that with you because storytelling is going to continue to be really important for us as a species, as we think about where we're headed and the types of stories we choose to tell and retell. And uh, I invite you to share your thoughts. Uh, what stands out to you? Uh, are there other good neuroscience and storytelling books that I should be reading? Please comment below. I'm always eager to dive in to those kinds of books and uh, learn more uh, and to explore more of this whole world. What stories do you connect with most? What do you think that says about you? Feel free to comment on that as well. So thank you so much for listening and being part of this crazy journey. And I hope this was a meaningful dive into the why of storytelling for you. And I do once again encourage you, if you are listening to this uh, in time for the February uh, 25th um, virtual authors event that's going to take place through the Thomas Crane Public Library um, to join us. That's at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, February 25th, the Thursday, and encourage you to come check that out and, and we'll come in with this new appreciation understanding of this reality that all these storytellers are bringing to the table and why their work matters and is important and continues to be uh, formative to our human experience. So thank you so much for being part of this and listening. Go experience some great stories. Be safe, be well, and keep asking big questions. 
Muss sie sein.